0: sing together, wind of the Holy Spirit, and the fact that there's no air conditioning. So I'm just letting you know. That's kind of the combination we got going today. Well, friends, it is good to be with you here at Community of Grace on this special day. Today's a birthday party, friends. Happy birthday, church. I don't know how you respond to that other than to say thank you. But it's a birthday party. This is a birthday celebration. Hey, we've got candles. Look behind me. I got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight candles there. And then back on the altar, we have another six candles, plus a special candle right in the middle that someone called the eternal flame that's meant to represent the Holy Spirit. That looks like what you need for a good birthday party, right? You got to have some candles. Now, the reality of it is we're a few candles short. About 2,000 candles short, give or take, because this is the birthday of the church, the church big C, not just community of grace, but church all around the world, the church universal, every place that gathers together today to worship Jesus Christ worships together today because of this day some 2,000 years ago. Pentecost is what we call it on the church calendar. It's a fancy Greek word. It simply means 50th, 50th. Because this day was celebrated within the Jewish calendar as the 50th day after Passover. The 50th day following Passover, the Passover feast, came another celebration called the Pentecost feast. But it came to mean something very different for the church, didn't it? Because there they were, people from all around Israel, Jews from every corner of the world, gathered together in Jerusalem, for the Pentecost Festival, for the Pentecost Feast. And where were the disciples? Gathered together, once again, afraid, staying where it is that Jesus told them to remain in Jerusalem, wondering what would happen next. And that's when things started to get wild. Flames! Tongues of flames coming down, resting upon the heads of those first disciples gathered together. A wind, the sound of a wind rushing through the area. Fire and wind. An outpouring of the Holy Spirit promised by God, prophesied by Joel, and said by Jesus himself as a promise to those first believers. That Jesus was no longer going to be present physically with them, but he would be with them in spirit. Through the Holy Spirit, truly God, fully present with his church forever. What a day. And what a scene. People from every nation, from all kinds of places around the area in all their different languages, hearing the message of Jesus clearly. What a day. What a chaotic day it must have appeared. It's a supernatural story, friends, and some of it is certainly a bit confusing. So today on this Pentecost Sunday, as we talk about the Holy Spirit and the birthday of the church... We want to bring some clarity to what it is that the Holy Spirit accomplished on this day. And in order to do that, we're going to continue in our current sermon series that we have entitled, That's the Spirit. We are letting Jesus introduce us To the Holy Spirit. Because for some of us who have grown up in traditional churches or been a part of congregations for many, many years, some of us may not have heard a whole lot about the person and work of the Holy Spirit. I know that was the case for me growing up. But as I grew and came into other places and hung around some other Christians, I learned more and began to appreciate and understand the essential elements of having the Holy Spirit at work in your life, starting there from the first days of the church, the birthday of the church. So that's what we're taking time to do right now, is we're taking time to let Jesus himself introduce us to the Holy Spirit. We all trust Jesus, right? If you don't, welcome. We are so glad that you are here today. This is a safe place to come and learn, to come and be around some other people who are all on their journey as well. And in this journey, we're going to let Jesus teach us about the Holy Spirit. And that's what we've been doing for the last three weeks. Jesus, the baptizer in the Holy Spirit, the one introduced by John who was prophesied to baptize with fire the Holy Spirit and fire, and lo and behold, here we have it on Pentecost, tongues of fire. Jesus is true to his word. And the Holy Spirit rushing through the space like a mighty wind, that goes all the way back to the very early chapters of the Bible in creation itself. That wind of God, the Spirit of God being represented by wind, There's a Hebrew word for that. It's called ruach. Everybody say ruach. Ruach. There we go. It's a good word, earthy word. It's a word that means breath. The spirit of God being the breath of God. The wind rushing through, God breathing on his church and bringing them to new life. So, what does this mean? And why does this matter? Well, let's continue on learning from Jesus today. Let's find another encounter between Jesus and his disciples where he makes it clear exactly why the Holy Spirit is coming to form his church. And with that, I want to invite you to open your Bibles to John chapter 20, beginning at verse 19. Just a few verses here, but follow along as I read. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he had said this, he showed them his hands and side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. The resurrected Jesus... Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, is in his resurrected form with his disciples. And he is speaking to them. He is sharing with them, speaking peace into their lives. And as we follow this story of Jesus being there with his disciples, he is making it clear what it is his message to them is. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Jesus was sent on a rescue mission, a clear rescue mission, to seek and save the lost, to come into this world, meet people like you and me in all the brokenness of our lives, and extend to us the love and forgiveness of God. And Jesus' mission was clear, to reveal and extend the love and forgiveness of God to as many people as possible. That was Jesus' mission and his ministry. As clear as day, all throughout the scriptures revealed to us Jesus' mission and ministry. And here we have in this powerful moment, as Jesus is preparing to leave his disciples physically, he reminds them, as the Father has sent me on this mission and ministry, so I am sending you. The mission and ministry of Jesus continues. It continues through his disciples. He is challenging his disciples, telling them that which God has sent me here to do, I am now commissioning you to do. Continue forward with the mission and ministry of Jesus. His disciples are told go and share the good news, go and share the love and the forgiveness of God to as many people as possible. What a mission! And it's the same ministry and mission for the church today. The mission and ministry for the church today is exactly the same. It has not changed in 2,000 years. Seek and save the lost. Go and share the message. Go and be a witness. Go and tell the world of God's deep, deep love for them of his incredible rich grace and forgiveness poured out for every one of them, something they could not possibly earn or deserve, just like you and I. But here's the thing, there are some Christians who are all about living this way, who are all about going and sharing the good news, revealing the heart of God and his love and forgiveness to as many people as they can around them. And at the same time, there are other Christians who give little thought, effort, or money to this. It's just not important. And in the same breath, there are some churches that are totally committed to being and making disciples of Jesus. Does that sound familiar? It's our mission statement, and it's nothing revolutionary, except it's Everything revolutionary. It is the only thing that can change the world. And it is the mission and ministry that Jesus has given to his church to be and make disciples. And there are some churches that are all about that. And in the same breath, there are some churches who are about everything but that, they're about themselves about their own needs, about their own preferences, about their own likes and dislikes. So what's the difference? What's the difference between those Christians who are absolutely dedicated and passionately focused on completing and continuing the ministry and mission of Jesus to show the love and forgiveness of God to the entire world? What's the difference between them and the ones who are not? And it's pretty simple. Because Jesus said it. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. There it is, friends. There is a direct correlation between passion and focus for sharing the gospel, the good news of Jesus with everybody around you, with as many people as you possibly can, and being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a direct connection that Jesus makes. Now why does Jesus make this connection for you and for me? It's because in order to share the truth about God's love and his forgiveness and share it with as many people as possible, it's gonna take a ton of time It's going to take a lot of work. It's constant. It's demanding. It is unending. And if you're called, as we all are in the church, to do this, how do you stay motivated? How do you find the energy? How do you keep going on this mission? There is only one way. Being filled with the Holy Spirit to be filled and refilled over and over and over again with the Holy Spirit. And there's a word for that. It's called inspiration. Anybody ever heard the word inspiration before? To be inspired? The word literally means to bring in the Spirit. As the Spirit comes in, you are inspired. Inspired. To be inspired is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And when that inspiration comes upon you, the work can get done. And friends, there is no other way. I have seen people try it other ways. I have tried it myself and I promise you, there is no other way to get the mission accomplished. No other way. I've watched people try other ways see if they could do it another way. And here's what I've seen some of them do. I've seen them put aside inspiration and just figure out that they're going to do it through perspiration. Like me, right? Perspiration, we're just going to work really, really hard. We don't need to have anything special or supernatural at work. We're just going to work hard at this. And the harder we work, the happier God will be. I've seen people try this. And ultimately, that is an inspiration. That's religious pride or religious guilt. And I've seen people operate in both of those ways. What does religious pride look like? Well, it's serving to impress the people around you or to feel better than them. Look how hard I work. Look how much I serve. I can outwork you all. So surely God must love me more. Religious pride. But the close cousin of religious pride is religious guilt. These are the folks who feel an obligation to do things for God in order to feel better about themselves, to somehow get that that gnawing feeling in the back of their mind out of the way. They are two sides of the same coin. They are trying to accomplish God's mission and his ministry to share the love and forgiveness of God through perspiration. Perspiration without inspiration. Anybody who's ever seen world class athletes knows that they spend a great deal of time not just strengthening their physical bodies, but learning how to breathe, learning how to breathe deeply. World-class runners will go up to high elevations where there is less oxygen present and train there so that their cells in their body become more efficient and better at handling oxygen because oxygen is absolutely essential for a world-class athlete. It's essential for any living organism. You gotta have oxygen to go along and fuel the fire to keep people going. If you have perspiration without inspiration, you die. You have expiration. (laughs) Perspiration without inspiration is expiration. And I've watched way too many good, faithful people who are working themselves to death, and they're burning out. It's like taking that candle, having it lit in a room, sucking all the oxygen out of it and watch it decline and disappear. People get burned out when they are not regularly being filled and refilled with this free gift of the Holy Spirit. And I've watched those folks, and many of them aren't in church anymore because they just said, I just can't keep doing this. I can't keep trying to keep up with the spiritual Joneses. I just can't do it. And they burn out. But here's the other reality. There's an equally dangerous direction to go, and that is apathy. Spiritual apathy. You know, there's a lot of folks today who think that the biggest danger that the church faces is atheism. The new atheists who claim that there is no God. I tell you what, there's only a handful of them, friends, and they are not the real threat to the church, especially the church in America. The biggest threat to the church in America is not atheists, it's apatheists. It's people who say they believe in God, but just don't care to really do anything about it. They're happy to come and be religious consumers. They're happy to be in the pew, in the church, coming in, getting what they want, getting a good infilling, and then doing nothing beyond that. And they fizzle out. Because inspiration without perspiration is just religious consumption. It's just consuming all the products that are out there. What is it that makes me feel good? What is it that makes me feel happy? And I'll take that happiness and go home and feel happy for a while, and then I'll go back to doing the things that I really like to do because that's what life is like, right? There's no point in sharing the love of God with anyone else. That's inspiration without perspiration. What must we have together we must have inspiration and perspiration. But it starts with inspiration. It starts with an infilling, a breathing in of the Holy Spirit again and again and again. Because as all of you know, you can't just decide to stop breathing. You have to keep breathing in the Spirit. Spirit over and over again and as we breathe in the goodness of God's gift in the Holy Spirit, there will be all we need to accomplish the mission. Because inspiration plus perspiration equals multiplication. Things will multiply. Our strength will be multiplied. Our devotion will be multiplied, not because we work so hard at it, but because the inspiration of the Holy Spirit fills us with joy as we do it. It's inspiration followed by perspiration, it's fire and wind, it's power and movement. This is the starting place of the church. And there's a reason we come to this day every year and honor it every year. is because we need to breathe in again, friends. And then we need to breathe out. There are those of you here who are burnt out and my heart as a pastor goes out to you. You've worked hard, you've tried your best and in the end you feel like it's not enough. And you don't feel the presence of God near you or with you or in you. Friends, today is a day to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and take in a deep, deep breath. And then, for others who have been consuming religion for so long, it's time to stop holding your breath. It's time to breathe out. It's time to perspire. It's time to exhale like Jesus did upon his disciples. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. We are to have that kind of spiritual respiration, that kind of spiritual inspiration and perspiration. This is what we are called to do and be as the church. It's been our mission and our ministry for 2,000 years. Let's continue, friends, and let's move forward only In the power of the Holy Spirit, listening to him, following him, trusting him where he leads and guides us. And let's pray for that right now. Holy Spirit, we know you have been in this place because your church is gathered here. And wherever your people are gathered in your name, Jesus, you are truly present there. And you promised you would be present through the Holy Spirit. The same Spirit that sent you, that powered your ministry, that raised you from the dead is now alive and at work in our midst here today. So Holy Spirit, we open up our hearts, we open up our lungs, we open up our mouths, and we say, breathe into us, Holy Spirit. Breathe into the weary in this room who have grown tired of trying to do this in their own strength. Lord, breathe into and out from those who have come to just have another religious experience and to consume it again. Challenge us, Lord, to take in the best of who you are, which is all of you, and then to be inspired to go out and do the work that you have called us to do in your strength. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit we trust you we welcome you here lead on amen would you please stand as sing together